John chapter 15 as we're continuing in this series of cultivating our heart, asking God to cultivate our heart. I'm still celebrating you, Meadowbrook, and what God is doing among us. Uh, we have launched a Meadowbrook Young Adult Ministry that is started off gangbusters, grateful for God's work there. Our Foundations for Marriage class just started, and uh, we've got a, a few couples that are meeting together now. They're newly engaged young couples or newly married young couples, and we have taken two of our finest family units and put them in that season position into that mentor type role. Uh, the Garretts and the Gilchrist, uh, two couples that I look up to, uh, God is going to use them in the lives of young couples. So if you have kids or grandkids, neighbors or somebody else that are getting married or maybe have just gotten married and they're young adult, then let us help nurture them for about six months. We'll give them foundations for good, healthy, strong marriages. And then our collective, our young adult worship started up on the first Sunday of the month and uh, they had nearly 50 people in attendance for that and so just grateful for the start and the launch of that ministry and for you having an active part in that. Meadowbrook has always been a church since I've been here uh, 22 years you've always been a church that's moved toward the younger and I appreciate that you've wanted to invest in young families and young people and uh, God has blessed that God continues to bless that. I'm also thankful to you. Uh, you've given just shy of $100,000 to a sister church here in the community, Dwight Baptist. And that is provided for a pastor for a couple of years. And uh, I was over there on his first Sunday, uh, excuse me, his second Sunday when they had a celebration lunch uh, where they were just celebrating what God was doing. And I was just so grateful to represent you for the vision that you've had to encourage that church. We need good, healthy, strong churches throughout the county, and you are very much part of that. So thank you for what you're doing. Uh, today he is finishing up a three-part series on vision casting and what God would have for that church. And uh, to hear the freshness of that, to see some new faces in that congregation, uh, that's refreshing as well. All right, so let's talk through this. Uh, we're, we're working through this series about God cultivating our hearts. And what, we have, what we've come to conclusion is we want our hearts to be like good soil so that as God's word is planted in the heart that is rich and, and uh, nutritious, that his word would take root and throughout our life it would bear forth fruit to the glory of of the Father and the glory of Christ Jesus. So Jesus made this our aim that we would glorify the Father in heaven. In fact, he says in John 15 verse 8, read along with me if you will, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. That's a pretty big word. Jesus is saying, this is the way my Father is to be glorified, that you would bear fruit. So this isn't a series about fruitful lives. This is a series about cultivated hearts. Because where you have a cultivated heart, you will have fruit. 
And where you have a heart that is hardened and not cultivated, you will not have a light life that is bearing fruit. A sustainable farmer recognizes his investment or her investment needs to be in the soil, in the soil where the cultivation is, where the nutrients are, where the life is. And if they will cultivate that soil, then they don't have to worry about the fruit. God will provide the fruit. All they have to do is concentrate on the soil. And so it is if the soil is rightly conditioned, their fruit that they're looking for will come. So that is a simple truth. Fruit cannot be affixed to a branch. You can't just go put fruit on a branch. It's not the way it works. No one can attach spiritual fruit externally. So we are not coming together on Sunday mornings thinking, all right, what are we going to do this week so that we will be fruitful, that we would bear fruit? You can't do that. It's an organic result. It is, fruit is, the evidence of the inner working of the Holy Spirit, his life and work in each individual. And where you have his inner working, you will bear forth fruit. So we can't make our lives spiritually fruitful any more than we can duct tape some oranges to a pine tree and tell everybody we've got an orange grove. It just doesn't work that way, does it? The tree bears forth the fruit because of the working inside the tree through the branches. And it bears forth fruit in that way. It's a spiritual concept. So just for my sake and yours, let me repeat it one more time. Spiritual fruit is not something we do. It is instead an organic response of the Spirit of Christ working internally in us. That's not evident or visible necessarily from the outside. It is an inner working that is evident when we bear fruit, spiritual fruit. And so not only does real spiritual fruit originate from the Holy Spirit within us, it is the Lord's sovereign choice for it to happen. If you go over into John chapter 15, verse 16, you'll see this. Jesus is teaching very clearly. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Now, if you want to just translate that a little bit differently, it would be that you shall go and bear fruit and that your fruit will last. It will stay. That's what abide means. So the Lord cho chooses you, he appoints you, and he determines that that fruit that you are bearing because of him, his Spirit's work in you, will remain. It's one of the significant purposes of our lives that we would bear fruit. All right, and the reason why that's important to me is some of you are already discounting. He's talking about somebody else. He's talking about somebody else bearing fruit. He's talking about somebody else being fruitful, 60-fold, 100-fold. You're discounting God's work in your life. You're discounting whether you can do this or not. Listen, Jesus says, this is the way you will glorify the Father. He chose you that you, you would bear fruit and that your fruit will abide. It will last. It will remain. So for everybody in the house who is a follower of Jesus Christ, by faith, God says, I appointed you to bear fruit. For any of you who are discounting your abilities, 
God says, no, I've appointed you to bear fruit and it would last. For some of you who are saying, well, my days are gone. My years have passed. It's for somebody else younger. No, no, no. Your fruit is meant to last. That we would continue to bear fruit. Why? Because the Father is glorified and that was the purpose of Christ to come and be to us in a manner which we could be glorious unto the Father. It's not just about you having a salvation from hell, but it's about you being saved from hell into the kingdom of God and that you would bear fruit throughout your days. Everybody in here, Christ, has come and provided the means for you to bear fruit. So what does this fruit look like? I don't know of any better passage that explains the fruit of God in us than Galatians chapter 5. And you've probably memorized these nine displays of God's fruit in us here's what he says the fruit of the spirit this fruit that bears forth for those of you who are attached to Jesus this is the fruit of the spirit it is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness it's self-control that is God bearing forth fruit through Christ his spirit's work in you it is what Christ has appointed you to do to bear forth fruit unto the glory of the Father. When you and I exercise in such a way, staying connected to Christ, he bears forth fruit and that fruit is listed there and it brings glory to the Father. You know why it brings glory to the Father? Because there's no way any of that would be in me except that God would bring it, that God would provide it. And provide he does. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So what we're discovering though is the more cultivating work God's spirit does within us the more fruitful our life is. The more characteristics of Christ we display. The more glory we bring to him and the father. So Jesus tells us in John chapter 15 what is required in order for us to bear fruit. Go back with me to John 15 verse 4 and 5 and it says this. Jesus says abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So in our salvation, we live and abide in Christ. He lives and abides in us as well. So the illustration is depicting that. We abide in Christ, and in doing so, he will produce abundant fruit through us. So like the branches attached to the tree, it is alive as the tree is alive. And it's fruitful because the tree makes it fruitful. Christians must stay connected to Christ and thereby be spiritually fruitful, vivacious and fruitful. Now, a branch can do nothing on its own, right? I mean, that's pretty clear. We know that. The scripture says that pretty clearly. It's nothing but a stick if it's not abiding with the tree. And sticks, you just pick up and you pile up and you burn them, right? This is exactly what Jesus was saying. But if the branch stays connected to the tree, then it is a healthy branch because the tree is healthy. And so it has all the strength and all the nourishment and all the protection and all the energy that it needs in order to bear fruit. Why? Because it's connected. 
So Jesus says, abide in me, connect to me, stay connected, remain in me, and I will remain in you, and in so you will bear fruit. You'll bear fruit, but apart from me, you'll do nothing. You'll be nothing but a stick. So the branch can do nothing without being connected to the tree. But when it's connected, wow, does it ever bring forth a harvest. So branches that bear do so because they are connected to the tree. And the tree is fruitful. Now if we ignore our spiritual lives, we neglect the Bible, we forego praying, slack withholding areas of the Holy Spirit and his scrutiny in our lives, being unrepentant in those ways that are not of our Savior, then we're like a branch that has disconnected from the vine or a branch that is no longer connected to the tree, not, not able to have the source of the tree. It's dry and it is fruitless. So Jesus is saying, saying stay with me. Connect to me in faith and stay with me. I'm staying with you. Bear fruit by staying connected to me. So by God's grace, many of us in this room are eager to bear fruit. That's part of the reason why you're here. Because you are eager to bear fruit. Now some of you have never had a bearing of spiritual fruit in your life. Your life is spiritually fruitless. You know why? Because you're not abiding in Christ and he is not abiding in you. And the call is so simple. The call is you must be born again. You must be saved. This isn't about you getting your life in order. This isn't about you living your life better. It's not about you cleaning up in order that you might present yourself to God. No, you recognize I'm just a dead stick. But Christ is offering me the means to be grafted to the tree. And in doing so, he will bring forth life through me. That's faith that you trust that only Jesus can do that. That only Jesus can forgive you of your sin. Only Jesus can connect you to righteousness. Only Jesus can bring fruitfulness into your life spiritual fruitfulness in your life and so you say I'm forsaking all others I renounce all that which I have done in the past and I plead the mercy of Christ and I by faith trust in him to save me and to live through me to make me to be born from heaven above and that's where you're starting and I'm grateful for that you know what the fruit is going to be in your life? The fruit is going to be wondrous eternal life with Jesus Christ. The fruit will be a relationship with him. The fruit will be instantaneous. People will begin to know there's something different about you. And it's because of the life of Christ that now flows through you. And you'll begin to see the evidence of that newness of life in you as the Spirit of God bears forth His fruit through you. Some of you are coming to faith in Christ. I'm grateful for that. What an opportunity for you to say yes to Jesus and thereby bring glory and honor to the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Some of you have received Christ, but you're not very fruitful. You trusted him as your savior, but you've been rocking on with your life, neglecting the things in, in your life that were meant to cultivate the goodness of soul of your heart. 
and you find yourself dry you find yourself less fruitful than you desire to be and that God desires you to be and you're asking God right now in this series God has begun a good work in you and you have been praying more in the last week than you've prayed in a while because you want God to use prayer to cultivate your heart and you're here today saying Lord please cultivate my heart for a greater fruitfulness I'm tired of this dry and dusty and barren kind of living I want spiritual fruit I want to live my life unto your glory so do a work in me and I'm so grateful that you're here and saying that kind of thing in your heart you're you're pressing towards that kind of decision to ask God to flourish through you and you're hearing Jesus say abide in me I abide in you and you're saying oh Lord let there be fruitfulness in me from 30-fold to 60-fold, from 60-fold to 100-fold. Let it be so. Let there be fruitfulness in me. And still others of you see fruit, but you're asking God for an abundance of spiritual fruit. So abiding intimately in Jesus is going to produce that kind of fruitfulness. It's an abiding that will come and stay throughout our lives. This, this is meant to be a continuous abiding. This isn't something that's just done for a little while. No, it goes all the way through your life. I have been captured by Psalm 92 verse 14 this past week because I love the, the bluntness of it. And he's, the psalmist is saying, for those who are righteous they will still bear fruit in their old age. Listen to what the psalmist says. They are ever full of sap and green. You ever thought about it? For those of you who are 65 and older, you ever thought that God gives you a compliment when he says, if you're walking in righteousness, you're sappy and you're green. What a compliment, huh? <laughs> sappy. There's no fruit without sap. So when God says, you're walking in righteousness, you're sappy, you're green, what he's saying is you're still bearing fruit. I'm so grateful for the seniors of Meadowbrook. So grateful for you who have rich experiences in this church and rich experiences in the kingdom of God. I'm so grateful for your faithfulness. So thankful for your generosity. So thankful that you're sappy and green, bearing fruit in your old age. It's meant to be all the way through your life. And according to Isaiah, it's meant to be that you and I would stay connected to the vine in such a way that he would renew us so that we could run and not grow weary and we could walk and not faint. That's the wonder of the glory of God abiding with Christ. And Paul, of course, champions us to do good and righteous things and not to grow weary doing those good things. For in due season we will reap. There will be a harvest to come. So don't give up, he says. So engaging the Bible is a way that God keeps that sappy greenness about us. Engaging the Bible is the practice of abiding in Christ. In fact... By engaging, I'm talking about reading the Bible, studying the Bible, meditating on the Bible, memorizing passages of the Bible, praying the Bible. 
That is to engage the Bible. And as we engage the Bible in that way, we are practicing abiding in Christ. Listen to the way the Lord pronounces this over in the book of Jeremiah. What a great passage this is. If you've got your handout out, circle this one. It's, it's the ninth chapter. I want you to come back to this because it's a, it's a grand word. Thus saith the Lord. Boy, that, that alone gets our attention, doesn't it? Thus saith the Lord. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this. That he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Well, what a passage. If you're going to boast about anything, boast about being connected to Christ. Boast about knowing him. Boast about knowing what he's involved in in the world. And what is he involved in in the world but steadfast love and justice and righteousness. So here's where I want you to nestle down in this passage and come to conclusion about that word. Engaging the Bible is engaging God. It's not just something we read for intellectual insight or practical living. No, my friends, you and I are engaging the word of God because we believe that it is engaging God. As God occupies our heart, he says, be occupied with my word. Those two things are going to go hand in hand. As I abide in you, abide in my word. Live in my word, the expressions of my word. Listen, my friends, the Bible is not a do-it-yourself guide for a better life and living. It is the life of God. He is making himself known by this text. The Bible is how you come to know God and how you come to know him better and more fully. It is God introducing himself to us and continuing to make himself known. So he's saying, listen, if you're going to boast about anything, boast that you know God. And how do you know God? From right here in this word. This word is his revelation about who he is. This is how our faith started, right? Our faith started by God making himself known in this word. In fact, he says over in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know what he's saying? He says, your faith started by hearing my word. And what is this word that you've heard? But the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's where faith began. How did you hear that? Well, it was from a preacher. It was from a friend. It was from a pamphlet. No, no. You heard it from the scripture. Somebody else might have been saying the words, echoing the words, or you might have been reading the words from another pamphlet or something. But it was the word of God that you heard, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, for three weeks in a row, I'm going to mention Romans that shares with us this good message about the gospel of Jesus Christ. By the way, the good news starts first with bad news. You can't have good news without first understanding the bad news. And the bad news is Romans chapter 3 verse 23. You've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Desperately short of the glory of God. But now it gets good from there, doesn't it? Because once you recognize you're a sinner in need of God's mercy because God is just and he holds everybody accountable to his justice... 
Once you recognize that, then you begin to understand that there is a merciful God that is extending his good news to you. And you begin to hear passages like Romans 5 verse 8, which talks about Jesus who has shown his love to us that while we were yet sinners, he came and died for us. And you recognize that all of us have this wage of sin that is against us. But God in his infinite love gave us a free gift which came in Jesus Christ our Lord. And we recognize when we receive this gift of grace in Christ Jesus that there is no condemnation for those who are in him. Whose faith is in him. And how do we extend this? We extend it with Romans chapter 10 verse 9 that says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the message that has been extended to us in this word. It's the way we know God in his mercy and his love and his grace and in his justice. So faith comes by hearing, hearing this good news about Christ Jesus. But beyond the introduction of the God who loves us and has extended his only begotten son to us in an offer of salvation, we come to know him more intimately through his word. Because once you come to know him as savior, then you want to know him in all the ways in which he wants to be known. So we dive into his word. We know him through this. So this week, as God is cultivating your heart, I'm going to challenge each of us to be engaged every day in God's Word. To let the Word of God, the engagement of the Word of God, cultivate your heart for a more fruitful living. So, as you commit today, this week, Lord, I want to engage your Word. I want to read it. I want to study it. I want to meditate on it. I want to memorize it. I want to pray it. I want to share it. This week, I want to engage your word. I want to encourage you to do so, but I want to give you a little bit of a caveat. Be careful because you might read God's word without him being the focus. You might read his word with you being the focus. And if so, then you're going to be focused in an incorrect way. Too often we read God's word focused on us. We want to approach God's word in a way that it will fix our problems and lift our spirits and, and change our attitudes and whatever it is. We find ourselves sometimes desperate for those needs and God's word can certainly do that. But this week, this week, I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit differently. I want you to approach God's word with this message in mind and I want you to engage it so that you might have greater knowledge of who he is and what he's doing. I want you to go back to Jeremiah 9 and think about what God is wanting you to do. This is what God wants you to do. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. So when you sit down and read the word this week, then I believe that if you'll read it and say, God, I want, you, I want you to reveal yourself. I want to know you more in this word. I want to be insightful to what you are doing and who you are. And I am certain in doing so, it will cultivate our heart. Someone said it very simply read the Bible to get the heart of God not to create a habit so this week we're reading the Bible to get the heart of God so I'm encouraging you to do that now I've preached many a time taught many a lesson on reading studying and meditating and memorizing the scripture 
and uh, how to develop a spiritual habit for that and those are all good but I think we're going to go to the better this week we're going to say Lord I want you to develop my heart I want you to cultivate my heart that I might abide more in Christ and thereby bear forth much fruit I want to engage your word this week so that you will develop a greater understanding in me and in so doing my heart would be more conditioned to Christ so this week God wants to develop your heart he's not wanting to develop a habit he wants to develop your heart so I'm challenging you to rise up early in the morning hopefully that's a good rhythm for you to rise up earlier in the morning to be engaged in God's word and in the process your heart now many of you have been mindful this past week in your prayer life with this rhythm of good morning Lord good afternoon Lord good evening Lord and those are some of the elementary ways that we've been praying this week we rise up and we good morning Lord and we begin our time of prayer midday we're saying much the same like we would to somebody that we pass along the street good afternoon good afternoon Lord we're just praying to him and going to bed good night Lord just want to reflect for a moment and pray as you're cultivating my heart in prayer those are all good habits I'm grateful that so many of you mentioned that to me this week that God had prompted you to pray in that way and the reason why we were doing that in a habitual way like Daniel and David is because a rhythm like that will help us to establish a continuous prayer throughout the day but could I add another hook to it this week not just engaging God in prayer with good morning good afternoon good evening or good night how about let's do it in engaging his word as well and it might be something like this you'll see it in your handout good morning Lord I pray as I engage your word, the Bible today, that you will show me more about you and then shape my heart to be more like what you show me. Everybody say show and shape. Show and shape. That's what the morning is going to be. Good morning, Lord. Show me in your word today more of you. And as you do, shape my heart to be more like you show and shape and then in in the afternoon maybe it's lunch maybe it's one maybe it's two good afternoon Lord I'm just reflecting in this moment about what you showed me today in your word and as I'm practicing this renewed heart Lord let it be evident now I am reflecting and I am practicing this renewed heart reflecting and renewed and then the evening it will be as we're getting ready for bed maybe we're crawling in bed good night Lord I'm sure I'm grateful for what I learned today the experiences that I had of your word throughout the day and Lord if there's been fruit evident in me today may the Father be glorified and then we just recognize there's a gratefulness and a glory that we're experiencing now those three prayers are all engaged in God's word and as we are engaging him and reflecting on him and giving him glory and gratitude then he is shaping our heart 
cultivating our heart for more fruitfulness to the glory of the Father. So reading and reflecting on God's word is a way that God will cultivate your heart. You'll come to know him more intimately. And as the book says, not only will you know him more uh, intimately, you will know him intimately in his steadfast love and his justice and righteousness on the earth, the very things in which he delights. So engaging the Bible is reading it, it's reflecting it, and it is responding to it. It's reading, it's reflecting, and it's responding. It's very active. So spiritual fruit bearing is obedience to God and his word. Here's the way Jesus said it. Blessed rather are those of you who hear the word of God and keep it. Who hear God's word and keep it. And he's very clear about this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 5. Whoever keeps my word, his word, in him truly is the love of God perfected. And by this we may know that we are in him. So reading, reflecting, and doing, responding to the word is how we know God more. So our morning time with God, listen to this. It's not just a nugget for the day. The morning time with God, which we have in his word, is the nutrition for the fruit bearing that God wants to do throughout the rest of the day. Stop looking for a nugget when God wanted to bring nutrition in you to bear fruit. And so we read it with that intention. And we reflect on it with that intention. And we're grateful for it that we have brought glory to God by showing evidence of it throughout the day. So many of you in this room want to draw closer to the Lord and you're asking him to cultivate your heart. You're already more focused and intent on praying and now you're saying, Lord, yes, develop in me a heart of prayer and an engagement in your word daily. So I encourage you, in the mornings, open up and read God's word, asking him to reveal himself to you. Look for ways that he wants to change your heart. Be very agreeable, quick to be agreeable to that. That's called confession and repentance. And then with ever-increasing faith and with a heart that is filled with his spirit, flooded with his grace, choose to walk in what you read about. And then let your rhythm be so evident throughout the day. Good morning, Lord. Today, I want to reflect excuse me, show, show me yourself that I might be shaped by what I see. And in the afternoon, Lord, I want to reflect as I practice this renewed heart. And this evening, Lord, I want to just show my gratefulness to you and just say that if there's been any evidence of fruit in my life, and I pray there has, may it bring glory to the Father. Lord, as you are working in us, even giving us a desire for this, it shows evidence of your grace, and we just thank you for that. May we, your people, bear fruit as you have determined sovereignly for us to do so. May you not find us resistant in any way, but eager to live our lives according to your glorious call. Thank you for those who are in need of the gospel, who are here today and now have heard the gospel. I pray that by hearing it, that they will by faith receive it and begin to walk in the new life that Christ is affording them.
And for so many in this room, Lord, I pray that this would be the most fruitful time of our existence with you. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.